Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Show Me Mo podcast hosted by the Missouri School Plant Managers Association, MSPMA for short. And uh, we got another good one on the on the on the books for today. I'm really excited and uh, grateful that a uh, longtime friend of mine, Mr. Jim Rich from the Park Hill School District, is going to join us. And we're going to talk about something that uh, it hit home to me yesterday. Um, I live in Massachusetts, as I've shared in a couple of the episodes, so the Missouri listeners probably can tell that I don't have a Missouri accent. But uh, I w- drove down to a, an event yesterday in Connecticut, and when I was doing a presentation, it was a sustainability workshop, and that's a big word right now. Everybody's talking about sustainability and and uh, you know solar panels and and uh, battery charging stations and all of this stuff, which is all great. And uh, I was talking about the exciting world of preventive maintenance. And when I talked, there were a number of people that I've got a 25-year history with. And when I looked at them, I said, one person in particular, Dave, a friend of mine, Dave, in a school district in Connecticut, we're getting ready to retire. And I said, what was it like when you started from then to now? How different has your role changed, your job changed? And, uh, And how much did you guys talk about sustainability 20 years ago? And it was interesting what the answers were because not much, if anything. And um, so, so Jim has, I'm going to let him tell you more about himself. Jim, thank you for, for joining. I appreciate you giving us some of your time today, first and foremost. Um, tell us a little sure. bit about you and the school district um, and your history. You've got almost 20 years in, same district. So tell us a little bit about that. And then I want to dig right into, I want to, I want to, go in the way back machine. I want to talk to you about your first day at school. And uh, oh, <laughs> you think I can remember that far back? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to do our best. Yeah. Uh, I think I've got a little different uh, background that led me here. Um, my, I'm with Park Hill School District in Kansas City area. And uh, I have two kids. Both my kids went all 13 years here and graduated from, from this district. And I've uh, lived in the district for 30 plus years, 35 years or so. And uh, my background is more in transportation logistics. Uh, I was at UPS for a number of years and went from there to a school bus company and was managing uh, some large facilities in, this, in the school bus world. And I'd gotten to know uh, some of the folks in the district here, uh, one being the HR person and the other, uh, well, several, uh, but one of the others was uh, uh, my predecessor um, who, who retired. And it just kind of came about uh, that I was very fortunate that both myself and the HR director at the time were kind of thinking the same way that I might be a good fit for this position. Not sure why they thought that because I didn't have any construction background or facility maintenance background or anything like that. It was more of uh, I had helped design a couple of facilities and and uh, the transportation piece, which uh, that's part of my responsibilities is uh, we contract our transportation, but. Uh, that's uh, I oversee that contract uh, with our provider. Uh, so anyway, that's what led me here. Been the best thing that happened in my life uh, to be put in this position. Uh, I mean, what a fun, fun job, you know, dealing with uh, all the different things I get to deal with. And 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 my role, I oversee uh, construction, uh, facility maintenance, grounds maintenance, uh, as I said, transportation, uh, which would include custodial uh, as well. And um um, so all different things. I have a lot of help to do that, obviously, because that's, there's a lot. Uh, we have about uh, 12,000 students in our district, uh, just almost 2 million uh, square feet under roof. 
And uh, that two million, out of that two million, we have, I don't know the total square footage, but we've opened five buildings in the last three years. So had a lot of construction going on. Um, we just passed replacement, replacement of school buildings, or is that new school buildings due to growth of, of population? Or both? That, that's a great question. Uh, this last bond was due to growth. So those were all new facilities. Wow. Uh, we had a, a middle school, an elementary school, uh, a lead, we'll call it the lead innovation studio, which is a high school facility, but it's not a full high school. Both of our high schools feed into it. And then and the building I'm sitting in, our support services center, and then we built the transportation center as well. Uh, but the reason that's interesting is we just passed a bond in April for another 137 million, and that's going to be more focused on renovation, possible replacement of vehicles or vehicles of uh, buildings moving forward. So um, we've never done that at Park Hill as far as replacing uh, buildings, but we've got our oldest building was built in the 30s, so it's you know 90 90 years old plus. Mm-hmm. So that's just, just an example. We have a lot that were, like many districts, were built in the 50s, 50s, early 60s, something like that. So we have a lot of aging facilities. But uh, I have uh, about 140 custodians, uh, 30, 30-some 30 uh, maintenance personnel. Uh, we try to do everything we can in-house. Um, we don't like to contract anything. I mean, obviously, we have to in certain cases, but... You know, we have all trades represented and, and try to do everything we can uh, in-house. We just think that's a better better way to go. So, How are you doing with your team as far as uh, – so we had we had a, a group of folks on our last episode, and that was one of the both private and public sector guests. And, you know, one of the focal points was uh, work shortage. You know, you're mm-hmm. never staffed properly. Operations and maintenance, I will, ne- I will have a conversation with anyone in the world about – especially public K-12, you're never staffed properly, but it's it's obvious with everything that's been going on the last three years, it seems like it's been a, a greater struggle almost across the board. Are you feeling the same same struggles and pains? Uh, we are. We're actually, compared comparatively, we're not doing too bad. Um, when I say we had 140 custodians, uh, that includes what we call floaters or subs. We call them floaters. They're full-time, benefited, just like any other position. And we try to keep 17 of those. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where we're short. I think we're about six or seven short there. So my point there is that all the runs, quote unquote, runs are covered. Uh, yeah. We just have a shortage of those folks that, that help fill in for vacation, sick days and that kind of stuff. And then, as I said, we we uh, contract our transportation. So bus drivers, everybody knows there's a shortage of drivers for whether it's school buses or over the road truckers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we've done some creative things there on the transportation side. And I don't know how much you want to get into that transportation, but um, have at it. I think, I think you're, I don't think you, so from what I'm hearing and you, as you and I talked before this, I'm just now getting back my hands wrapped around Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm 15 days officially in from, from doing business in Missouri. So I'm talking to folks and asking these questions and I'm hearing more and more that their role is, as your role is director of operations and director of operations is the standing buildings and the moving buses. So mm-hmm. you, you go, you go at cover your, cover your okay. role, however you like. Yeah. But just, just a couple of things. I mean, we, you know, right after school started, we uh, were realizing a, a severe shortage and uh, to the extent that we weren't going to be able to cover routes. And what I mean by that is 
the our contractor staff, all their full time staff, mechanics, et cetera, were driving trying to cover routes, and we still didn't have enough drivers. So, wow. what we did as a district is is uh, met with our partner, uh, our contractor, and offered them for our the district to pay a perfect attendance bonus to the bus drivers at five hundred dollars a month. So that's a pretty good chunk of change, wow. and yeah. just to try to reduce some of those uh, absenteeism. And the day after we announced that they had people coming to them that had already turned in slips to say, you know, I'm going to be gone for a birthday or I'm going to be gone mm-hmm. for whatever and say, yeah, no, I'm taking that back because I want to, I want that $500 bonus. So yeah. that has helped us on that regard. And and we keep track of that stat just to see if that's, you know, been successful. And it has been the, the percentage of absenteeism has dropped dramatically. The other thing we did as a district is created what we call combination jobs. And we offered them, um, for, I'll use my one of my administrative assistants as an example. So she gets paid her normal eight hours per day from Park Hill School District. And in this case, her hours are 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. with an hour lunch. She got trained as a bus driver. So she also collects a paycheck from first student mm-hmm. for going to drive a bus. We still pay her her eight hours, even though part of that eight hours she's driving a bus. So yeah. she's double dipping theoretically. She's she's making a full paycheck from Park Hill, and she's getting a pay uh, uh, paycheck from our from our contractor for students. So that gained us. Uh, I think there's ten folks in our district that are doing that full time, and probably another five that are doing helping out with trips or subbing and that kind of stuff. So that just you know it's ten drivers just like that that we were able to add add to the driver driver ranks. I love the create. I love the creativity because so many people right now, and it's 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 something that people don't pay attention to. And up until last year, school bus drivers were wildly underpaid. They're still underpaid. Yes. I mean, the national average is is for what they're carrying, and those buses are big. I mean, they're a lot of work. Um, and and uh, I'm just looking the average the average salary for a bus school bus driver in the state of Missouri right now is thirty five thousand dollars a year. So when you talk about five hundred dollars more a month. That's adding if they if it's a ten month uh, mm-hmm. cycle, which it, it probably is. I'm assuming you know June, July, August basically close, but they've got some work to do. Um, you know, it's six thousand dollars. That's eighteen percent, give or take. Yeah, uh, that's an eighteen percent bump in their in their take in their pay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for for showing up to work. Yeah, well, pretty good. That's uh, that's that's, that's been good. But jumping back over to the maintenance side, uh, the custodial I talked about, that's really the only place that I that I would say I'm short. Now, we all struggle, I think, on the school district side to try to hire skilled trades. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been fortunate that I haven't lost too many. And the ones I have, I've been lucky to find some good qualified folks to fill those fill those shoes. Um, but I'm I'm wanting to add. Uh, especially on the HVAC tech side. And we just, from a school district perspective, you can't compete with, um, you know, the private sector when it comes to that kind of stuff. I mean, we, we do everything we can to get the wages where we, where we need them, which is not going to happen with the school district, but there's other benefits that uh, um, we can offer as far as paid days off and and, uh, uh, whether it be vacation or sick. And health insurance and that kind of stuff that a lot of the private sector just doesn't offer. But it's tough to compete with them. And in all honesty, it's pretty unlikely that an HVAC tech is going to be looking for a job at a school district. Yeah. We, like a lot of people, we, you know, all of our job postings are on uh, um, 
Oh, not indeed. What is, yeah, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. So, um, you know, trying to get the word out that way as opposed to just posting them on our website. But still, yeah. uh, I think the last HBAC person I hired a few months ago, we actually brought him in from inside. He was a custodian that had some training. So he started at a lower level just to make sure he was going to work out. He's been fantastic. But we had one applicant from the outside. Yeah. You know, after having it posted for, I think it was five or six months. So it's tough, tough to find those folks. And I, I'm, I'm a little nervous because I've got a, I've got a carpenter getting ready to retire. I've got a plumber getting ready to retire. I've got the uh, electrician's probably going to be retiring, a low voltage guy. And I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to find, find folks to fill those roles. Succession planning has got to be tough with yeah. with the staff load that you have, and it's it's funny you're saying all this, and I, and there's an ad that's getting played all the time for a company in Rhode Island that makes that manufactures submarines, mm-hmm. and they're 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 now saying you know what they tell on the radio how much they're paying these new entry level people, and they say, come on in, we'll train you, we'll train you how to make yeah how to manufacture submarines, and it's kind of yeah. like well, it's pretty creative and. You know, it's funny. Uh, so I, 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 I've been fighting this good fight, and uh, there's another person actually in the state next to you in, in Kansas. Burke Jones is his name. He just started a, a podcast. He's a facility director for for uh, Derby Public Schools in Kansas, and he had someone on about retention and hiring. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is stuff that I that I talk to schools about, and I always say you should have a job fair twice a, twice a year. One on the first day of school in the in the kindergarten class. And the other time you should have it is that just before the commencement ceremony of a senior, the seniors in high school, because if you try to hire, uh, if you try to hire any talent uh, and try to compete with public sector based on money, uh, you're going to lose a hundred times out of a hundred in any, in any market. But if you try to compete with private sector about purpose and, and, and actually making an impact, I don't think that there's a greater impact someone can make than an impact on our kids' lives that, will will create opportunity for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And, and so I, I tell people all the time, I say, Hey, you should have a job fair right outside the kindergarten class. Cause you see these kids coming in at five and six years old. And you got to understand that when that commencement happens 13 years from then, and they're walking across that stage and they're going to be something, a lot of what they're going to be is based on what you help them to be. Yeah. And, and a big part, a big part of that is their learning environment. And it's not just the learning environment, it's the environment that they're in. Um, what you're talking about, you know, you're retiring folks. You know, one of the things that's interesting about retiring folks, they've been in the schools probably for 20, 30 or 40 years. And that's where I want to go with you. I want you to think as best back as you can of what coming into Park Hill School District as a director of facilities looked like. What was it like 17 years ago? You probably just got out of dial-up internet, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of things, a couple of things come to mind. Uh, one, uh, my predecessor, his name was Jerry Wright. Great guy. Still lives in the area here. Uh, when I walked in and he didn't tell me this, uh, I spent, you know, I was transitioning from private sector to, uh, to the school district. And uh, I think we spent maybe two afternoons together, you know, and we walked through the schools and that I was kind of familiar with anyway, because I, you know, I lived in the community. My kids were here and that kind of stuff. And, we just talked a little bit about what was going on. That was about it. But what I didn't know when I sit down in my chair for the first day, there's a packet of, I don't know how many pages it was, probably 25, 30 pages. And it was month by month by month. 
January, here's the things you need to keep an eye out for. And here's the things we normally do in January, February, March, et cetera, et cetera, through the whole year. I use that thing for several years, you know, yeah. until of course things change and times change and, and all that. And I still had it up and just until a couple of years ago. And I finally said, you know what? I think I can get rid of this. now." Yeah. I didn't look at it anymore, but it was kind of a sentimental piece for me to, to keep that. The other thing you mentioned, the dial up, the other thing that uh, I still remember, uh, it was uh, one of the first pay periods. Uh, um, and I walked into my office and my administrative assistant, who at that time was um, taking care of payroll, had a hundred time cards spread all over her desk doing time cards. I'm like, really? This We live in a different age now. We don't need to be doing this anymore. So worked with uh, our HR folks and, you know, after several years, probably it took, uh, finally got it kind of an electronic time card system in, but I'm like, this is ridiculous. You spend an hour and hours and hours going through these time cards. There's got to be a better way. Yeah. So not that that was relevant to the, relevant to the facility itself, but that's one of the things I just couldn't believe coming into this. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. And it, it, you, when you talked about the, the stacks, my dad, uh, my dad and I were in, we've had a couple of businesses together. I started my role in, in facilities as a property manager for, for a private sector when I was in my late teens, early twenties. And when I did that, I, people, you know, asked what you did. And I said, oh, I'm an environmental engineer. Uh, <laughs> but but in reality, I was a glorified custodian because the only thing I really had a skill set for was to clean toilets and, and vacuum floors and change light bulbs. And if it was anything further, I had to I had to source it out. Uh, but there was a lot to maintaining these these office buildings. And my dad, who was a, a helicopter pilot for the 101st in, in Vietnam, he uh, he brought me a metal box. I still have it with three by five cards and it's got A through Z and one through 31. He puts it down on my desk. I was about 19, 20 years old. And he says, if you can't manage something out of this box, it can't be managed. He <laughs> said, you've got all of your contact names. You put A through Z, all of your uh, planned work. You put one through 31 for the upcoming month and move it back and forth. And he went through this whole process. And I was like, wow, that that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. You know, the challenge is when you try to capture all that and bring it into, you know, sharing with people. And it's ultimately how I lost my my contract in uh, 1998 is I didn't I just I did the work and I put it. Yeah, I tracked it, but I didn't put anything. But uh, you're talking about that that story. And I had a call yesterday um, and the, 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 the person said, hey, I want, can you help me build a template for my snow sticks? You know, the the the, the parking lot snow sticks. And I said, yeah, sure. I said, uh, just out of curiosity, what, when did you when did your PM task pop up for snow sticks previous to this? He goes, oh, the first snow. <laughs> so they, they want to you know they want to put it in they want to put it in the ground before it freezes and before there's already snow on the ground. But uh, you know, but you you were talking about preventive maintenance earlier, and that's I think that's one of the biggest things that's changed in my time here is uh, we worked for years. Uh, when I first started, it was just reactive. Everything was reactive, putting out fires every day. I mean, that's all we did. And uh, um, through our our maintenance work order platform, which you know what that was. I don't know if you want to mention yep. the school dude. But, uh, yep. um, over the years, and it took a long time because, as you well know, when you're trying to transition from all reactive to doing more preventive, it just it's that's a big challenge. But we did it, and um, that that's one of the things now that that I focus on and my team focuses on is doing more preventive work. And we're right now we're at about forty to forty five percent preventive work orders to 
uh, work yeah, orders. Yeah. Now the challenge with that is, in fact, I was just having that conversation before we got on here with my lead HVAC tech uh, that, you know, we've added more buildings. We're doing more in-house. So we used to have uh, a uh, contractor change all of our filters twice a year on our bigger buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were too unreliable. They couldn't find help just like everybody. So we took that back in-house. So we've added all that with the same number of techs. Right. And there we're getting to a point where we're losing ground on that, what I call losing ground on the preventive preventive yeah. work orders versus work orders. Um, so that's the challenge. We just need we need some more more people to be able to do it. I mean that's that's the bottom line. More hours in the day. Yeah. But that's I'm, I'm pretty proud of that that we've we've moved to that. Uh, yeah, that's huge. That, that big percentage, and I, I hammer my guys, not just my leadership team, but everybody, to do that more and more and more. I mean, you know what I tell them and what I tell the custodians, especially is you guys are in the buildings every day, all day. Yeah. You see what needs to be done. Not me. I'm not in every building every day. Yeah. And uh, you're the ones that need to be, you know, coming to us and saying, we need to do this and, and that kind of stuff. So. so I love where this conversation's going. I really do. It's like, I, we're going to talk about buildings and, and the age of everything, but I think a lot of this stuff is really pertinent <clears throat> and, and important. And one of the things that you touched on in this that I want to, I want to ask for, I think I know the answer, but if I don't, then I'm just gonna be embarrassed that I asked it, but <laughs> You you must have sensed a over the course of time, right? So when you started, uh, now mind you, when I say this, the school while you're doing ninety to ninety nine percent reactive work, you're doing good work, you're mm-hmm. taking care of the school building. There's a high likelihood that there's 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 not major issue with the school because you, you you'd know it if it's on fire, if it's got bad air, if it's got something, you know when you're doing you know when you're doing a subpar job, but right there's a level of stress that comes with not knowing what 90 to 99% of your work looks like every day. Did you notice, was it a noticeable shift in, in stress resolution with your, your team as you started to evolve from 90 to 99% to, you know, 40 plus percent of preventive maintenance, knowing 40%, knowing what 40% of your day looks like has got to be a whole lot easier than not knowing what any of your day looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, I keep talking about HVAC because that's just a huge part yeah. of it, but the equipment equipment side of that. Um, my lead HVAC tech, tech back then said the exact same thing that you're talking about. That uh, you know when we when we spent all those years transitioning to the to the PM side uh, versus right. the work order. That's that's exactly what he said. Since said my stress levels down, we know what we're going to do every day. We know what equipment that we need to replace for the next five years each year. We're not just replacing a piece of a piece of equipment when it dies, which right. you can't do it in the school business. So you can't have, can't be without, you know, whatever piece of equipment you're talking about. Well, and the, and the supply the, chain so screwed up right now. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. And this is a completely different time. We have switched, you know, in the last couple of years, we've switched out. We're doing that too. We're going to, we're going to be buying more equipment direct mm-hmm. and doing like an owner provided uh, contractor installed the, the, at least the, the work that we can't do ourselves install our, ourselves uh, so we're doing you know major replacements in the summer we're gonna you know i've already purchased the equipment ordered the equipment for this summer's work i did that uh, a month ago because of the long lead time so we're going to get it we're going to store it here at our facility and then when we, when we get our contractor on board we have the we have the equipment for them to install so yeah that's been a change for us i don't know if other districts do that or not but that's uh, 
we've changed that in the last last year. Yeah, well, well I mean, it, it 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 is it's a disaster. I mean, when you when I talk to folks and they're talking about things that are in a budget for this year. And July 1, they go to place an order for rooftop units. And there's a 351-day um, there's a 351 day anticipated delivery date. That leaves you 14 days to install it. It's got to be installed, mm-hmm. right? You got to have it set up by, by July 1st. Not a big window. And, and that, that alignment with there's, there, there is no science to proper alignment with receiving of, of parts and inventory and having the people to service and install it. Uh, right. Like there used to be, there's, you know, and there's, we, we talked about this uh, in the last podcast, there's, there's 3 million skilled labor positions open in the country today. That's, mm-hmm. you know, any skilled labor, uh, contractor, carpenter, electrician, plumber, you name it. And so there's such a shortage that they're, you know, in the private sector, they're, they're picking the work they want to do. And if you're, you're not a job that's going to make them enough money or do enough, then you might be further down the list than you'd like to be. So um, you know, it's funny, I, I, uh, in that talk that I did in Connecticut yesterday, there was a, a new facility director. So there was a, there was a Jim Rich of 17 years ago sitting there and saying, Hey, this is all, this all sounds good and great. Um, you know, and, and great on paper and then theory, getting your business manager involved to, to buy into why it's important for PM, but you know, how do you do it? And I go, well, PM's like an elephant. And he says, yeah, it is. And I says, well, how do you eat an elephant? And he looked at me and says, one bite at a time. And I think that that's the most important thing. And I don't know how you rolled it out to get to that 40 to 45%, but I'd love to get your thoughts on, you know, how, well, I'd love to get your experience on how you started and then how you stayed the course to get to that point. Because I think that the number one thing that I hear and I see in schools across the country is discouragement. They get started, they don't build it out enough or Mm -hmm. They go the opposite route. They have something brought in. They have a company come in and do the build out for them. And they build a system that's so robust um, that does PMs on every possible thing. And it's, you don't have the, you don't have the staff. You don't have the hours. I mean, I made the comment yesterday and I think I could probably do it in your district. I could double your staff right now. And all they do is PM and they might get every PM that every asset has that, that, that gives an industry standard to. So what was, what was kind of your, your decision to go to this effort and kind of how you went along? Did you do a, a rapid build out or did you do a gradual over time to get here? And are there any pitfalls or best practices that you could, could give? Yeah, it was gradual. I mean, I, I think it has to be gradual. Uh, like you said, you can be, you can get overwhelmed uh, pretty quickly, especially if you don't have the staff, and none of us do really. And uh, um, first and foremost, I had a lot of support from from uh, assistant superintendent, who was my my supervisor, and and the superintendent at the time. And when I started rolling out and telling them what, what the plan was and and the benefits of that, I mean, that w- it was easy for them to see that. And we all know, you know, if you're in facility management, you know the benefit of doing PMs versus mm-hmm. reactive. And uh, it's a pretty simple sell when they when they see the see the data on it. Yeah. And uh, uh, again, I go back to HVAC. That's where I started, and that's the you know a lot of the most expensive pieces of equipment we have on our in our buildings. And and got the buy in from my my lead tech at the time, and was fortunate enough to hire another person at that time. And with the focus on that, 
at the same time met with that that the uh, filter company that I was talking about that we eventually had to get rid of, but um, taking some of our larger buildings off of the plate of of my text to change filters and do the minor maintenance. Um, so that got us started. Uh, and then we just slowly added from there, whether it be plumbing or electrical or, or whatever it might be. But um, that was the first bite, if you will. And yeah. I think that I feel like that was successful. I, I don't ever claim to be an expert in anything, mm-hmm. um, but uh, that's that seemed to work uh, for our district anyway. But you got to you got to have buy in from your from your uh, your cabinet or whoever it is that you're reporting to your financial folks and and your upper management in your district too, because there is a commitment from them too. And um, whether it be personnel or replacing equipment um, before it dies, uh, instead of waiting, waiting until something goes haywire, but uh, you've got to have their support. And I'm I'm fortunate enough Mm -hmm. in our district, not only the support of our, my cabinet and my board, uh, but our patrons as well. I mean, when we do surveys and et cetera, talking about facility maintenance, that's always the top of the list that we have good facilities and they want us to maintain our facilities. They mm-hmm. would rather us maintain our facilities than build new. Yeah. So that'll be a challenge in the next 10 years, uh, how that looks. But uh, there are some that need to be replaced at this point. Well, and I want to talk <clears> about <throat> the difference between older buildings and new buildings. But you touched on one thing that I definitely want to say that that I find that that you've reiterated to me because there's a couple of different mindsets in doing PM yourself as far as setting it up. Um, there is the dedicating a space. So hey, we're going to do the elementary school. We're going to get that mm-hmm. set up. I'm not a I'm not a huge advocate of doing it like that. The way that I tell people is put put a list together. It's a it's a life safety. It's roofs, it's floors, it's plumbing, it's electrical, it's HVAC. And pick one. Just pick one and just focus on that for a month. Mm-hmm. And if it's just one schedule a day, five times a week, it's 20 in a month, 240 in a year. And 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 and, and you also have to figure out, do, you know, we got 20 rooftop units in a school or 100 rooftop units in a school. Do we want to schedule for each or do we want to do a blanket schedule? Like there's a lot more to it than than just saying, let's do this. But you just you just reiterated to me that my way of the list is what the way that I think a lot of people think and that the way of the, you know, it's kind of like the, you know, custodial, you know, team cleaning or quadrant cleaning or this cleaning. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got their own way of doing it. But I find that, that finding a category and then the backside of that is once you pick that category, you have to you have to show that difference in data, that historical workload that you had on your staff of putting out fires, like you say, those failures, those critical alarms, HVAC is a great example. We keep coming back to it, but that's the most responsive. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the most responsive piece. Like a floor is not going to tell you they have a problem. A, a roof is going to tell you have a problem only if it rains. So you could have issues up on your roof. You could, I mean, it could be something like not cleaning your drain outs, right? Uh, for a period of time. And then all of a sudden you get backfill and pooling right. the water and it, it leaks through, you know, HVAC has an opportunity where it's got, building control systems, which we're going to talk a little bit about the advancement of that over 17 years, where it, it alerts you to potential critical failures or critical fa- failure. Um, so com- doing that comparative analysis and that workload, as well as that that decrease, because there is, it's a, uh, if you get into the PM world, you're going to decrease your cost on average per work order by about 60%, hmm. right? I mean, yeah. it, it, it's just, it's it's simple math, no expedited 
services needed, no expedited parts needed, no putting out fires, no no overtime, unplanned overtime, whole bunch of factors that go into it. So it's right. it only makes abundant sense. Um, so what was interesting was I didn't know that you were a transportation director and worked at UPS before this. I thought you were a lifelong facility manager and that this was mm-hmm. your 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 blood and and all you did with it and you know 17 years ago uh what were you, where were we 17 years ago so 10 was tw- 2012 2006 is when i started july july 2006 2006 the iphone wasn't even released at that point no so we were still using flip phones yeah text messaging just barely started Pneumatic controls were still widely used in school buildings. Smart. We just got rid of the, the last of those yeah, two years ago. So. <laughs> did you did you did you encase it in a in a <laughs> in a glass box of some sort to be on display? Yeah. Um, I mean, when we think about, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, I've got a fifteen year old son and a five year old son. I can tell you the difference in what my 15 year old had when he was born and what my five-year-old had when he was born, as far mm-hmm. as being born with an iPhone in your hand, basically, if you were born after 2007, you were born with a smartphone. Yeah. Um, how was that? Uh, how was that for you over the course? Cause when you came in, um, you know, most of your building control systems were proprietary. Um, your 90 year old buildings were designed to live forever. They probably had, uh, some of them probably had fallout shelter signs still in the front of them. Maybe they still do. <laughs> no. uh, well, you had a, you had an underground cave bunker for a, for an office, right? <laughs> so yeah. That was, that was the safe, the safe spot in the district. But what, what, I guess one, how did you adapt over the course of the last 17 years, because the advancement, the one thing that happened in 2006, uh, a video called Shift Happens, and I refer to it all the time, which is on YouTube. Um, it, it's a, it's a, basically a, a video that talks about how fast technology is moving. Mm-hmm. And, and when I watched it in 2006, it was scary. The fact that we're moving at an even faster rate today is widely eye-opening. So... Yeah, yeah what is it what was it like to go from literally pneumatic controls you know antiquated system not having smart buildings to having these in-depth conversations i don't know if you've got net zero buildings or net positive buildings or any of these sustainability projects or solar panels or 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 electric buses uh for for the fleet that you guys outsource what was that like for you and then what's that like been for the district Well, that's a that's a great question. Um, you know, I'm the type of person, my personality, I just kind of roll with the punches and move on and you do what you do and, and, and move on. So as far as the technology advancements, you know, just learn as you go. I mean, I'm all kind of self-taught on everything. And and I don't know if that's where you're going with that. But yep. uh, you just, you know, we are fortunate that uh, well i guess i'm fortunate that around that time right before i started um they chose a building management system that was uh able to grow it's their snyder controls but we use a local company here to to kind of manage that and, and help us maintain it um but just like any building management system every whatever year two three four five years you've got to get the upgrade and, and updates and that kind of stuff so we've been we've, we've been we've had a good 
partnership with them to be able to to uh, update that system as we as we've gone. So we still have actually the same system mm-hmm. with upgrades um, uh, that was installed in 2005, the year before I started. Yeah, uh, again, it looks completely different than it did back then, obviously. Right. But uh, uh, we're still working with that same same company, and they've done a, a good job, um, you know, keeping us up to date, if you will, moving mm-hmm. forward. And we just did kind of a wholesale change district wide. I mean, it had to be in each building, so it wasn't a global type change. Mm-hmm. But each building changed over to their newest upgraded system uh, <laughs> over the last three years, and we just completed that last year. So mm-hmm. uh, we're in good shape there. Uh, you mentioned electric buses. We do have uh, four electric buses that have come in, and mm-hmm. we're not running on on route yet. They want to get through the harsh winter. We right. just got them uh, about a month and a half ago. Um, so we want to get through the harsh. They want to get through. Our provider wants to get through the harsh winter and kind of run them, see how they perform, make sure they're going to perform like they think they are, right? Uh, before we start running them on routes. But that'll start probably March or April when we actually put them on routes. I drove it. I was the first one to drive it when it showed up here. So yeah, it was kind of weird, quiet, and yeah. had a pretty good pickup. So yeah, quick. so we just have four of those. We're going to build out uh, when we install the permanent chargers for them. Um, and, and I said earlier, this is it's a district facility that we that our provider is has to use. Yeah. So it's it's our property, our building. And uh, we, as a district, are going to install uh, that permanent charging system. And and our plan is to do that with the thought of increasing uh, the number of EV buses that we're going to have. So we're kind of upsizing everything so we can add to it later. Don't know what that looks like because when, when we have a contractor, we can't, yeah. I guess, well, I guess we can't dictate that where they have so many electric buses, but whether they can get them or not is, is the uh, next challenge yeah there's a lot of from what i understand and i only know enough to be dangerous but there's a lot of incentives whether you're privatized or public uh, entity to 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 move to electric buses right now because they're expensive they're they're 300 plus thousand dollars if i remember correctly yeah they are yeah and that's how we got them actually it was uh i don't know if you remember a few years ago uh uh volkswagen got in that trouble with their representing their their emissions well, that's how we got these buses in a roundabout way. Part of their fine, uh, their billions of dollars of fines, were to provide funding for grants for states huh. to provide electric buses. I did not uh, know. So that. Missouri got five of those buses in, through yep. that grant, and and we were fortunate to get four of the five. I don't know where the fifth one is, but and uh, they paid for half of the bus. So out of that three hundred thousand, it's still one hundred fifty, which is. About yeah. 50 more than a, the normal cost of a bus, but yep. uh, that, that helped us helped us out there a little bit. Yeah, there, there's some cool stuff going on with. I, I'm 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 I don't know that I'm sold on the electric mm-hmm. vehicle thing yet. I I think you know I, I think it's cool. I think uh, if I was going to drive around town, that'd probably be good. I I drove you know 300 plus miles yesterday, and I still like the the idea that I can just pull in a gas station at every single exit that I'm at, and all of them have the same nozzle that I put into my tank and yeah, exactly. fill it up and keep going. Um, but I'll tell you, there's a school in Colorado that I think they they turned their, almost their whole fleet into, they electrified their almost their entire fleet. I don't know if you saw this. I'm trying to think of the name of the district. Mm, but what they, what they did was they built... Uh, they built canopies, solar canopies for the buses. Mm-hmm. So the bus backs backs into a solar canopy and an enclosed 
half enclosed uh, shelter, if you will, but it's got solar panels on the top and you plug it in and now it's harnessing the power of the sun to, to power up the bus to drive the kids. And I go, well, that's, that's a pretty, pretty cool. I mean, you know, you get the, the people that say, well, it, the solar panels end up in a landfill in 20 years. I'm okay. Well, yeah. Another conversation. That, that was actually our plan when we built this facility in uh, yep. 2020 uh, was to have those canopies, just like you said, uh, they weren't to power EV buses at that time, but, yeah. but uh, we had to DE those out. Yeah. So we have no canopies. Now. <laughs> how, how much do you think your, so you, you gave a, a nice kind of comment of like, hey, you know, I roll with it. And what's interesting about you is every time I've ever had the, the opportunity to see you in person or virtually, um, you're always smiling. You always mm-hmm. kind of have this this kind of not lightheartedness, but a lightheartedness about yourself that kind of like you just you roll with the punches. Um, but that said, in 17 years, if you were to say these are Jim's daily responsibility 17 years ago. That probably f- maybe was one column. How, how many columns are you up to now <laughs> yeah. with that responsibility? That's a good question. That That's a little bit, not that I, I still love my job and, and uh, you know, it's fun every day, but oh my gosh, it's changed. I, I was having that conversation earlier today too. We have a new nutrition services director here. You know, 17 years ago, I'm, you know, I may have been sitting in my chair 15 minutes a day. I was out in the buildings and running around and talking to principals and administrative assistants because, you know, we all know they're really the ones that run the schools, it's yeah. administrative assistants. And uh, and I knew everybody. I knew all the administrative assistants and I know the principals, assistant principals, even a lot of the teachers. And now I, there's just no way I could do that. I mean, I, I'm I'm sitting in my office most of the day now, which I don't like. I'd rather be out and about. But I just don't. Have, I don't have the time to do that. And I mean, I've built a good team around me, and I can say that because after 17 years, I I have really built the team around me due to retirements and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, they're the ones out doing the day to day things that I used to be able to do. So that's that's a huge difference in my book from when I started to now. Is just a, I'm more of a uh, more of a delegator, I guess. Uh, yeah. I have to be, um, you know, I, I, I try to set the tone for my folks and let them take the ball and run with it. I, I am not a micromanager. I've yeah. worked for some micromanagers and that's, that's a miserable way to exist. In my yeah. But uh, um, again, I've got a good team and I trust them to do the work and they're the ones out in the field all day, every day. And, and uh, unfortunately I get to hold up in my, my office now more than I need to. Yeah. Well, you got a nice office. You gave me the global view with the other camera. So it's a <laughs> yeah. good space you got there. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's, it's interesting. I do a keynote. It's titled to change or not to change. How is the question? And and I often don't think about how the evolution of my career has gone, you know, over the last 25 years and how it's changed and evolved and done all those things. And, and like I say, from, from, for all intents and purposes, you know, the calmest and least stressed people you think have the least amount of change in their life, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like Groundhog Day. Hey, I got nothing to worry about. Here's what I'm going to do today. It's kind of like why everybody says they get look forward to uh, to retirement, right? You get to play golf or go fishing until you realize that you don't like golf or you they call it, they call it fishing and they don't catch it, call it catching for a reason. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, 
you know, you've, you've evolved through a ton of change. And so, um, and I think it's only going to, I, I, I don't think it's going to slow down. No, right? I don't think it's going to slow down at all. I think that the advancements in technology, I think the advancements in um, different types of, of materials that we're building schools with, I think that the, you know, COVID, I think has done a lot of, I think COVID did a lot of good for us. Um, I think that COVID did a lot of good in the fact that uh, facility maintenance and, and custodial services is brought front and center, especially in schools, with providing a clean, healthy uh, environment. Uh, it's Greg Lukabau in Texas is a great saying. You know, we got to uh, we get we got to clean for health and not for appearance. Because mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing to say that we spray something and wipe it down and it looks clean, but if the dwell time needs to be a minute or a minute and a half and we don't let it sit long enough, it's not going to do the job to do what it's supposed to do. Um, so. You know, all that said, you know, what advice would you give uh, someone that's thinking about or someone that's coming into the profession that's probably going to be uh, could be overwhelmed quickly? You know, what what would what would be some of your words of wisdom or where where should they go? What should they who should they talk to? Mm -hmm. You know, should they just stay in the circles of, of public education or should they go out in the world and talk to, you know, property managers of car dealerships. I mean, I don't know, you know, what, yeah. would, what would you think? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And, and my advice, uh, well, well, there's multiple things, but the kind of two main things surround yourself with good people. I mean, that's a, I know that's a kind of a cop-out answer, but that's, that's what everybody says, but uh, I couldn't do it without the folks that work with me and for me. Um, but, uh, and you know, all the folks I'm going to talk about, all the folks, MSPMA mm-hmm. is, has been phenomenal. I mean, I, I have a core group of guys that I reach out to and we bounce up off each other. I've been on the phone with several of them here in the last month over some things that I'm thinking about doing and getting their opinion. And, and uh, I might not like their opinion, but that's, that's okay. I, I still want to hear what they have to say and what's going on in their districts. And, and as far as staying in the public sector or going outside, I think you stay in the public sector. That's just my take on it because it's a completely different animal than the private sector yeah. and dealing with uh, other property management type uh, positions. Um, and every district's different. I mean, every district has a different structure. Every district has a different financial, uh, have, has different financial stability and, um, focuses on different things, whether it be new facilities, upgrading old facilities, replacing facilities, uh, aging facilities, you know, however you want to look at it, everyone is different. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes down to it, those, those core guys that, that I uh, keep in contact with, are, that, that input's invaluable to me yeah. as, a, as a facility guy in a school district. So. Phone a friend. Got to have your phone a friend list. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's good. No, I I I uh I agree with all of all of what you said. Um you know, again, me, uh, preparing for this call, I was thinking about 22-year-old me, you know, getting started and who I talked to and who I reached out to and you know, the critical fa- failures that I made um learning and growing and I th- and when you said, you know, public education is unique and it it, it it's it's its own animal it really is um you know and one of the examples that i give and i'm allowed to say more than more than most people on this stuff but you know your customers are the hardest customers that you that any any business could have and i think that's the challenge that 
a lot of people, i.e. taxpayers, look at, they don't realize that a school is a business, right? The superintendent is the CEO of this school yeah. district. And so when you talk about, um, you know, I, I, I can only assume that your your total school budget um, is got to be, you said 12,000 kids. So, you know, 100 and was 150 million, something like that. Uh, I think it's 220 something. 220. Okay. I'm, way off. Good thing. I'm not the, the <laughs> you guys would be really screwed, but yeah. So $220 million the superintendents in charge of overseeing and, and you put a, put a price tag on your, on your product, i.e. your kids that I don't mean to call kids a product, but mm-hmm. the outcome of these kids are the future builders, astronauts, disease uh, solvers, and all the, the things yeah. that we need. Uh, you can't put a price tag on that. Um, and then you then you layer in the fact that the customer that is financing or paying for your business every year has two things that they have no choice on. One, they have to pay, right? They have to pay, and they have no control of what they're going to pay. They do if you have a I don't know if Missouri has Prop two and a half or things like that. Yeah, the taxes go up and they've got to pay it, and so they obviously are always going to have that challenge of re- expecting the best, reporting the worst. Right. And that's and especially with the work that, you know, facilities, IT or your your behind the scenes folks, the teachers, my mother being one of them, she's in front of 27 plus kids on average every day and eight times a day. Um, It's tough. It's really, really tough. And for people to understand that um, and then the budget cycles, you know, every year the people think that, you know, you got a new budget, you know, you get you get that new infusion of money. Yeah, but you've got to figure out how and where that's all going to go. You get it July 1st for the upcoming year. And by July 2nd, you're already planning for the next one. Mm-hmm. And and you're putting all your line items, you know, now to February, March, with the hope that things don't change by July, right? Yeah. And from a facility standpoint, you know, whatever, if 200 million, well, 75% of that is mm-hmm. labor. Right. Benefits and, and salaries. So, you know, that reduces... Reduces the amount for everything else, whether whether it's buying custodial supplies or doing capital projects. It's uh, yeah. you know, at least in Missouri, that's how it works. And, you know, every state's a little different there too. Yeah. So, so you've got this this uh, this bond going out for some some replacements coming up. Um, well, yeah, I should re- rephrase that. So the, it's 137 million. There's one new building, an elementary school, in that, and then the rest is. Uh, uh, renovations and upgrades to some of our older uh, as well. We're, we're, what's unique about this bond project is we're literally going to touch every facility in our district. With how, many, how many are there? Uh, 26. Wow. So um, from adding gymnasiums and weight rooms to our, both of our high schools to possible putting uh, uh, artificial turf fields at some of our elementary schools for, you know, sped access and, are just areas that we have a hard time keeping grass on and we want them to be able to go outside to play in, at the recess. So, so, and everything in between our playground, playground upgrades, uh, classroom upgrades, finishing our led uh, replacement. We haven't done the whole district yet. We've been kind of piecemealing that just when we do renovations, we'll add the leds that, you know, just that kind of stuff. So a little bit of everything, yeah. but included in this process uh, with our, planning and the bundles uh, that we have for this uh, bond is a 10 year, a new 10 year master plan. And in that 10 year master plan is where 
um, there'll be discussions about what we're going to do with our aging facilities, mm-hmm. uh, whether we replace them or just spend a, you know, yeah. a lot of money trying to fix them up or whatever. So uh, I have my list <laughs> of yeah. the ones I want to replace, but uh, the public has some say in that as well, you know, how that goes. But yeah, so there should be interesting conversations leading up that this, this next, the elementary school that I mentioned, that's the actually the last piece of the puzzle of the last 10-year plan. Once that building is complete, then the 10-year plan is complete for the previous 10 years. And yeah. that's why we're, we're doing another one. So I tell people that you're always in schools, you're always on a 10-year plan. Oh, yeah. You always have a project that you're starting in the middle of and completing. There's always yeah. three cycles of a project going on in a, in, a, in a district at any given point in time. It doesn't, and it doesn't matter the size. There's always, uh, there's always some large projects. When you touched on playgrounds, you got to, if, if I'm not sure how, what you guys are looking at with playgrounds, but Round Rock, Texas, uh, Dave Hodebeck, uh, director of facilities down there. Mm-hmm. He, it's a, it's a passion of his. He has converted or built. Um, I think all the playgrounds in the district have been either converted or new, new, all new ones are all inclusive uh, playgrounds meaning that mm-hmm. you can you can bring uh, wheelchairs on like the, the all of the i mean the thought process and the you know the width of of coming on there isn't a feature on a playground that any child can't go on and use he's been on the recognized on the news he's actually been on my be awesome at fm podcast definitely worth checking out because he's uh he has spent an amazing amount of time in the and i've i've been on him so when i say that they're there anyone can anyone can go on it 270 pound me was, was running around <laughs> on this thing, having a good old time. So um, definitely worth checking out. Um, well, I gotta tell you, this has been great. This has been uh, I, you and I just talk, we, we could just talk like this for, for hours and hang out and, and have a good old time and cover a lot of bases and solve all the problems of the world. Um, anything I missed, any, any uh, tidbits, information, anything you wanted to add, take away or, uh, no, I mean, I think just one note I've kind of made coming into this is what's changed over the years from a construction yep. standpoint and renovation is just the codes. Codes are more stringent than they ever have been. And sometimes, at least in my opinion, are completely unreasonable. And, and uh, uh, majority of our school, all but three of our, our facilities are in Kansas City, Missouri, city mm-hmm. limits so that's typically the codes administrators that we're dealing with mm-hmm. uh, but it's not and i'm not trying to blame kansas city well mm-hmm. maybe i am but that's not <laughs> that was not my point i, I think in general nationwide <clears throat> there you know there's there's a new code that's been adopted here anyway that uh, i talked about the new gyms and the uh, uh, high schools they're going to have to be theme of shelters we don't have a choice if we make that kind of addition to our school they're going to, have to be fema well that just added 50 percent cost to everything or more you know because uh, we have to have a generator and restrooms and etc cetera, etc cetera. so uh, plus just a more uh, uh more stable facility you know well the, well well your ongoing maintenance workload too so when you're when you're when you when you make it a a, a fema space you put that generator in, you got to fire that generator every week. Like, right. there's, yep. there's no missing it because if you do, and all of a sudden you have an incident that happens because that's what happens, right? It's like yeah. the only time the only time a space after hours isn't lit or heated or air conditioned is when the superintendent or the school committee is coming in. It's not like 
it's not like when 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 I'm coming in to do a pickup basketball league, it's always on those inopportune times. And that's when, you know, a major incident happens, you need the space and all of a sudden generator doesn't fall, fire up and then everybody that's there files a, a complaint and then they look at the history and they go, well, we haven't tested it in six months or whatever. So the right. workload, yeah. which is often overlooked, um, I actually, I got a client once purely because they had to have a FEMA space for their new high school. And they had to have all these new, all this other equipment, including a generator that they had to show that they fired it up once a week, uh, that they checked the fuel sources, that they did all the things that they were supposed to. And it's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. It is. Wow. Well, that's, yeah. So that's just got added to your plate. Hey, there you go. There's, yeah. Whether you like it or not. And I, and I think it's, I think it's important. And I think if there's a need for it, obviously you guys, uh, you guys get hit with, I mean, your major incidents are tornadoes, right? That's right. Um, what's the closest the tornadoes come to your uh, Joplin? That was the worst. I mean, yeah. it's uh, what three hour, two and a half, three hours south of us. So yeah, we had... we had smaller, smaller stuff here around us, but nothing to that magnitude. Yeah, I had uh, uh, Fast Eddie Sunadella from Hamden, Wilbraham, Massachusetts. When we talk about tornadoes, people don't often think about Massachusetts, but uh, mm-hmm. I think it was 2012 or yeah, 2012. The 76-mile tornado started in Springfield, Massachusetts, and ripped right through the middle of our state to uh, Sturbridge. And he was in his he was in the the work trailer for the new high school, and the tornado went right by about 500 feet off 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 the edge of this brand new school. And he's sitting in his work trailer. And if that thing just turned just a little bit, uh, he wouldn't be in Kansas anymore. He'd be in the yeah. Wizard of Oz somewhere. So, um, yeah, yeah, kind of kind of crazy to think about. He's in a little tin can hanging out, and all of a sudden the twister shows up in massachusetts of all places so um i can tell you this is great i hope to one i want to come see your school i wore my patriots hat purposely because the last episode i was way outnumbered with kansas city stuff all over the place and (laughs) i just wanted to remind any anyone if you showed up with like uh, kansas city stuff that uh, the patriots are still my team even though i was going to comment on that but yeah I, fi- I figured i was waiting for it uh, that's arrowhead stadium on that big picture there <laughs> of so. course it is you guys you know you guys are um you, you know you, you have you have some amazing fans for for the for the chiefs and and, and for good reason um i think you you guys have done some wonderful things but every once in a while i have to just say that you know patriots got a whole bunch of super bowls and Hopefully we're going to get one without Tom Brady. I don't know. After this this weekend's performance by him, I'm a little getting a little bit nervous with him. I thought he was going to play forever. So, yeah. um, but no, this is great. I, I hope to get out out and uh, I'm going to see you in person in the in the future, obviously. But I hope yeah. to get out. I'd love to, to to take a look at some of your district and check out some of your space. Maybe go for a ride in one of those electric buses. But uh, you know, first and foremost. Thank, thank you for your uh, your 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 servant leadership in the last 17 years in your district. I, I know that you've made a difference and an impact. I, and uh, I think I'm going to leave with it. you must have uh, an amazing pride of ownership to be able to have provided the space, not just for your kids to live in, but the kids for your kids for the space for your kids to learn in, um, and still be there and to and to have that smile. I can tell that you're doing a good job and your community recognizes it because you're not bowing your head down when you walk in the grocery store. Um, you're, you're holding it up high because of the work that you and your team do. So, so thank you for that and, uh, and keep up the great work and, and sharing, sharing with us uh, all that you've, all that you've learned and done the last 17 years. 
I appreciate that. And yes, I do. And that's going to make it hard to step away someday, uh, especially in the middle of a five-year bond project. I don't know if I can walk away in the middle of that or not. So, yeah. I predict um, no. I yeah. predict no. And what we'll do is you and I, next time I see you, we'll sit down and we'll talk about golf and fishing. And I know that hunting's big in Missouri and it, it, it's getting harder and harder. So, uh, yeah. No, you you know people. Uh, I I don't think golf or fishing is going to fit for. You. I think a five year bond might be in in the cards. <laughs> keep yourself busy yeah. and sa- keep yourself busy and sane. I see yeah. people going crazy about fishing, not catching enough. So, yeah. well, I appreciate you, my friend, and uh, I look forward to seeing you again in person uh, real soon. And and keep up the awesome work. Thanks a lot, Josh. I, I really enjoyed this, and I uh, appreciate the invite. Oh, my my pleasure, and and that will do it for another episode of the Show Me Mo podcast. As you can see, Missouri is stock full of professionals that are just doing great work. Um, they're coming from different places. I didn't even know transportation director to facility director doing a not lights out job. Uh, amazing work for uh, twelve thousand kids just outside of Kansas City. Um, we're going to have some additional episodes to talk about kind of the things that have changed over the years. Uh, we'll talk about the codes and things and buildings, but I think it's uh, it's really informative <clears throat> and it also gives insight for folks that are just getting into the industry that they can see that um, one thing that's going to be exciting is that you're not going to wake up every day having the same thing to do, press the same piece of metal or turn the same wrench. It is going to be a career chock full of opportunity uh, learning and, uh, and, and, and a way to make an impact in people's lives. And, uh, I'm just, I'm just have a, an amazing honor to just be a little part of this journey and, uh, be a part of this podcast. So, uh, in the meantime, if you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and review. That's what helps give us more exposure and get people to say, Hey, I want to listen to more of this and watch more of this. If we don't deserve that five-star rating and review, give me a call or send me an email. The email is josh, J-O-S-H, at B-E-A-U-S, as in Sam, M as in Mary. Sounds like be awesome. It's on my shirt if you're watching the video. But uh, follow, subscribe, like, five-star rating and reviews. We really appreciate We want to grow this thing and uh, give more to, uh, to the great folks of Missouri and around the country. So in the meantime, we'll talk to you soon. Have a great day.